Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm sad that I'm here. I'm Kyle Calgren, and I'm going to be absolutely honest throughout this entire podcast in uh, honor of the movie that we have been subjected to, in honor of the trauma that we shared. <laughs> this week's episode is on 2009's The Invention of Lying, written and directed by... And Rick- committed. <laughs> by Ricky Gervais and Matthew Robinson. Um, so yeah. now you know who to blame. <laughs> no, okay, like I know it's like common on these podcasts to talk about movies that we hate, to, like really play up anger. But I really got angry at this one. I was collapsing in rage and like holding on to furniture for dear life. You Just, were very mad. Like you had yeah. to kind of take a nap to get over how mad yeah. you were about this movie. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I got so mad it exhausted me. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like a lot. this isn't hyperbole. Uh, maybe I was being, you know, a little dramatic, but still, it. <sighs> it seems like this Matthew Robbins. I mean, Ricky Gervais. I mean, what can we say? You know, he. Cre- what can we say about Ricky Gervais? And he created the original said. Office with uh, Stephen Merchant. Yes. Yes, and then Steve Carell stole his career. <laughs> this is my Ricky Gervais impression. It's mostly just a uh, ooh, grimacing. Grimacing in a British accent. And I feel as if Kyle is going to be really, really, really hard on on Ricky Gervais on, on this podcast. But I also feel like, uh, I mean, does, he can take it. Does, but does he even know about media made by women? <laughs> is he aware? Does does he know women? I don't know. Uh, like, are they are they mammals? Are they are they? Reptiles? Like, what are they? What is their biological purpose? Ooh. Uh, what, have they, what have they evolved to do? Mm, you know, what is the... Why... What is their reason? What is their... I can't rationalize why they exist. You see, mm. yeah, this is my impression of a new atheist. So, uh, Ricky Gervais... You For know, the record, I am an atheist, but, you know... I am an I'm ag- not that kind of an atheist. I am an agnostic um, that is constantly looking wistfully at the church and wondering if I should be in there. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I never really had any strong feelings about Ricky Gervais. I always liked his write his usual writing partner Stephen Merchant, who is great. Who is only, he's delightful. Who only has like a cameo in this movie, which I think is really really notable. Uh, <laughs> and wise on the part of Stephen Merchant. Um. The guy um, who made this movie with him, who, you know, as I said, co-wrote and directed it, Matthew Robinson, seems to be a friend of Ricky Gervais's because he doesn't really have a lot of credits aside from this. He wrote additional material for the 73rd Golden Globes, which Ricky Gervais hosted. Is that the one where he was like... I can't remember how many uh, Golden Globes he hosted. I think where he, he was like two. Okay, but... he. Like it became a joke how amazingly cruel he was to the to the participants. Yeah, like his whole thing was that he was mean. That's always been his whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy seems to he he did a show called the Matthew Robinson. That other guy did a show called The Power Inside. Um, some show called Black Box. Some 
movie called Jerked. Uh, not really a whole lot of stuff. And all of this stuff happened after the invention of lying. So the invention of lying didn't really jumpstart his career in the way that I'm sure that he intended because his last credit is, is a story by credit for the movie Monster Trucks. Remember that? With the Where the monsters were actually in the trucks. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> So this dream team, I'm really interested as to why Stephen Merchant has no idea, has like almost nothing to do with this, aside from the fact that this was a really bad idea and maybe he could tell. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the premise of this film, and if you don't know, is that um, it takes place in a universe where nobody lies. Nobody lies, which apparently means that everyone is a dick. Yes. Like... Flattery, honesty, fiction, uh, dreams, hopes, optimism, kindness, care. These are all lies. Yeah. And everyone just acts completely truthfully and rationally, which means that they are so stupidly cruel to each other. Yeah. And this is this is a film... That really, it really brought together a comedy dream team for this great idea that apparently no one had any questions or reservations about because we've got Jennifer Gardner playing her worst character ever. I've never seen Jennifer Gardner worse, (sighs) at least in Elektra. She's trying. It's really the (laughs) script and the directing that's bad. Um, I haven't seen Peppermint yet. Maybe she's bad in that, but like... I've never... I mean, it's not just her. It's the character. Just what, what is written for her? Yeah, no, it, the thing is, is that Jennifer Gardner is doing the best with the character that is given to her, but the character that is given to her is just a bitch. Yeah, uh, what's the character's name? Remind me. Does Anna, she have a name? Anna McDougals. Anna McDougals. Yes. Who only makes decisions on, like, who will provide the best genetic offspring for her. Like, she thinks entirely in terms of how her children will look. Yeah, and it's not even... Okay, so I want to make it clear. Like, I don't use the term... Like, I don't I don't say bitch lightly. Like, it would be one thing. Like, there are a lot of reasons why, you know, women are called out for the way that they come go about relationships. Like, a lot of, wi- a lot of women get shit for wanting financial security. I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but wanting children with genetic perfection and not wanting to be with a guy that she's clearly into because their kids will be chubby is one of the cruelest things I've ever seen on screen. Like, I just don't understand. Okay. So you constantly (laughs) reminding him. So eugenics also not a lie. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah. Um, um, yeah, this it's always <laughs> comes down to skulls, doesn't it? It's, it's always the shape of your skull oh and the slope God, of your brow. Right. Uh-huh. Now I'm thinking about Django Unchained again. Anyway, <laughs> um, Jonah Hill is also in this. <clears throat> um, you know, Jonah Hill, the the person, the white guy in this movie who's come forth the the most unscathed, I, I feel. Yeah, as far as I yeah, can tell. Jonah Hill seems to be... Like, I mean, I, compared to the rest of the cast, which who we rest, haven't mentioned. Compared to the rest of the cast, yeah, Jonah you, Hill's really come out looking, smelling like please, roses. Please even, read the rest of the cast. Um, We have Louis C.K., the jerkmeister himself. <laughs> the sploosh the man. <laughs> the ruiner of women's careers. The guy that I used to look up the to. The wacky the, wanker. The guy that 
used to be my hero, the guy who broke my heart. <laughs> the master uh, baiter. The master. The yeah. master of baiter. He has baited and he is the master of it. But really, Louis C.K. is trash, and I hope. Oh, absolutely! Again. Yeah, I, and, and now that I how know dare that he, you make us like you? Now that oh my god, I used to Ugh. love him. This is bullshit. And now oh, that god. I know, I mean, I wasn't going to go to the comedy cellar anyway because I'm a comedian. <laughs> what would I be doing at the comedy cellar unless I was <laughs> performing? Like, unless they want me to perform. But the thing about the comedy cellar lineups is that it's always one woman per lineup, one woman or no woman. If I ever perform at the comedy cellar. <laughs> Just know that I needed that check. Yeah. Um, because after their behavior with, oh, yeah, well, we just had to let Louie on. No, you didn't. Anyway. Why? Um, Why? Jeffrey you- Tambor, <laughs> who sexually harassed trans women on the set of the show Transparent, in which he played a trans woman. Give it up for Jeffrey Tambor. Woo. Clap. Clap. Clap, clap. Give it up for secret conservative Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Lowe has done worse than be a be a Republican and you know it. <laughs> oh yeah, well definitely. <laughs> Give it up for can't stand up for. <laughs> uh, I this is this one this one really. I need a second. Drum roll. Give it up for the guy <laughs> who couldn't stand up. For veteran actress Jessica Walters. Oh, yes. <laughs> who sounded, who basically was like, abuse is totally normal on film sets, you guys. He says to the veteran actress who is better at acting than him, Jason Bateman, give it up. Clap. 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 <laughs> clap. I'm going to say the word clap instead of clapping. Oh, my God. That's um, Yeah. Oh um, my god! It's so yeah. Are there? How, wait, name another female character in this. Oh right, I was trying to think of another woman in this movie who isn't Jennifer Garner. And oh yeah, Tina Fey's in this too. Tina Fey is in this. The Sheet Caker. Sheet Caker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's a reference. The to. last thing that Tina Fey got in trouble for is something about like how you know. Uh, because something there was something about how you should just like stay home and eat sheet cake, and people were very mad about it. And I only remember it because I remember people being really angry and me not saying anything. And then like white women that followed me on Twitter being like, "Why aren't you mad at Tina Fey because of the sheet caking thing?" To which I replied, "I haven't watched SNL since Michael Che and Colin Joe showed up, so I actually have no idea what this sketch was." But she wore a sweatshirt, she ate sheet cake. People were mad. I don't remember the context. Anyway, she's Tina Fey. I don't know. She's yeah, said her, her comedy has always been uh, aggressively non-confrontational. She no, I not, mean, not that's not fair. That's not it's fair. been like anti woke, but it's like and her yeah. her whole it's brand like, is anti woke wokeness. Like people call her a feminist, but she seems to like but she's have not like, like, a like disdain. Those. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tina Fey. You know, really important figure. Tina Fey is part of the reason why I got into writing in the first place. So, you Don't know. Don't you always love being compared to her? Oh, honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I That happened way more before. That doesn't happen that much anymore. Thank <laughs> the Lord. Um, but yeah, you know, I got to give it I got to give it up for, you know, my betters. But, you know, she's. I don't know. She's a white woman. You know, there are worse white women to hate. Anyway, so this is Many. a very, <laughs> this is a very stacked cast of whites. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, shockingly so. Yeah. And um, uh, so this is, so the film begins with a date in which Ricky Gervais is going out with Jennifer Garner. And Jennifer Garner makes it very clear at the beginning that she's too good for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because of his snub nose and he's an obvious loser. When she answers the door for the date, she's, she tells him, I just masturbated. Yeah, because no one lies in this universe. See, that's the joke. <laughs> and then he says, that makes me think of your vagina. Yes. Yes. Charmer. I have no idea well, you why see, she Char- wouldn't be into him. No, no. You see, charm is a lie. Well, you clearly see. charm is a lie. Because everyone's just like, everyone says whatever is on their mind, which isn't the same thing as being truthful. It- yeah. Okay. How many, let me ask you this. If you've ever been online, how many like cruel, snide, mean comments have you gotten that have then been defended as, oh, me, just me being honest? Like, that's, that's the kind of, that's how honesty is portrayed. That is what the absence of lying is. It's just needless uh, cruelty and debasement. Yeah. And judgment. Yeah, and it's it's very weird because, like, her, their truthfulness is kind of disgusting in both ways on this date, where it's like, her truthfulness is just proving how much better than him, better than him she is, how much more money she makes, how much more stylish she is. And all of his truthfulness is basically like, my life is so depressing and I need you to validate it. And I'm so, I'm so like, (laughs) I'm such a sad sack. Doesn't that make you want to be with me? It doesn't, it doesn't my sadness attract you? Yeah. It's very weird. It's like he's trying to like guilt her into dating him by being like, I'm I'm going to adore you because I'm a loser. And so what better choice could you have than, you know, pity? But is pity a lie? Apparently pity is a lie. Because like later on in the film, in the in the scene that really made you angry when he shows pity on Jonah Hill. Oh God, yes. Um, after he invents lying by claiming he has more money in his bank account than he does. Like we're <laughs> skipping ahead a bit. And then he uh, yes. uses his power of lying to talk to his neighbor, played by Jonah Hill, who is severely depressed and openly talking about suicide and like showing, talking about his research methods and talking about Googling, you know, ways to off himself. And before all Ricky Gervais could say was, yeah, life is shit. But after he learns how to lie, he goes to Jonah Hill and says, don't worry, you're going to be okay. Life is worth living. It's not as bad as you think. Yeah. Which is implied to be a lie. Wow, you're jumping so ahead. You're jumping so ahead. Because basically, like... Yeah, but that's that's what made me that's what, yeah, that's what made that's, that was, that's what made you pretty angry, because of the way that, the way that lying is depicted. But, um, okay, so <sighs> let, let's first establish what truth is. Which the movie never does. Well, it does, right. but implicitly, it's... Okay, so truth is... Truth is never being nice. Uh-huh. And it's basically 
reducing every relationship down to its most basic parts. And also, it seems to um, play out in a way where women are constantly just like, ugh, men, you man, you disgust me. And man is like, ugh, that just makes me want you more. Like, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, um, there's a couple that we constantly see that are, like, fighting at the same table. And that's, that's what their exchanges are. It's just this woman being like, I don't want you. I'm going to disrespect you. I'm going to, like, treat you badly. I'm going to cheat on you. And the guy just being like, I love it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like a mirror of his relationship, that, of Ricky Gervais's relationship with Jennifer Gardner. And it kind of seems like this is the way that the movie sees relationships in general. Yeah, the truth is that I am unlovable, and by I, I mean the writer of the script. And it's by just... men in men in general, men are unlovable, and women only love them out of pity, or women only tolerate them. And basically, there's no such thing as passion. Not even passion, just care. Yeah, there's so many. My one major note that I wrote multiple times is why wouldn't you use this opportunity to be nice? <laughs> so many as times. If, <laughs> like as if being cruel is the default and being nice is a choice. Apparently it is. And no one would choose it, apparently. Yeah. Um, Because like it's. Like the scene when they're at dinner and Martin Starr of uh, Freaks and Geeks and, you know, anything related to Apatow. And also he's the teacher in Spider-Man Homecoming Mm -hmm. fame. uh, He's just he's just like, wait. You're out with her. And he just like can't believe it. And basically it's just like, oh, you're not handsome enough. And I was sitting there just like, but like and I, I know that. What is considered to be an agreed upon truth is really based on the thought process of a man who hates himself because this idea that like beautiful women, beautiful, I'm using with finger quotes, Mm -hmm. never or with chubby guys, I use chubby with finger quotes, Mm -hmm. is ridiculous because it honestly, if we're being truthful about our culture, it really doesn't matter how men look ever in terms of like who they date. Look at Jack Black's wife. Look at Kevin James's wife. Look at really any famous person's wife. I'm sure that Mark Addy's wife is banging. Like I, just, so it's just like this. I is mean, it's just, not about how they look; it's how they treat you. Yeah, exactly. Like Dan, Ack- like read about Dan Aykroyd getting it on in the '70s, like, <laughs> and probably the '80s. Like, it, so it just doesn't. It's almost like this movie wasn't written by a woman. Because the thing yeah. is, is that women know this. Women know this. The idea... But do they know, or are they just lying to make us feel better? The idea that, like, in this... In, I have to talk about this because this movie basically positions the chubby men, which are played by Ricky Gervais, Jonah Hill, and Louis Masturbator CK, <laughs> as just these, like, irredeemable losers that will never find love and will always be treated like shit by everyone they encounter. But in real life uh, and in practice, we know that this isn't true. We yeah. know this also just by looking at the women that those men have been with in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I've seen Jonah Hill with a woman, it's been a beautiful woman. Whenever I've seen Louis C.K. with a woman, it's been a beautiful woman. Ricky Gervais as well. So it's just... But not even talking... Let's not talk about the actors because who wants to talk about Louis C.K. anymore? Um, But, I mean, think about the audience that this is trying to reach. The... 
I mean, this is clearly meant to talk to some er male, some ideal heterosexual male who doesn't believe in himself and sees himself as a loser who also thinks this, that it's... Also this constant <laughs> use of the word loser. Right. Which is just not a thing. Like, loser, I find, is a word that men use more so. Like, I've never... I, I really ever am like talking to my girlfriends and they're just like, oh, he's a loser. Like loser, loser, I feel like is such a weird, like male coded, like 90s, 90s and 80s kind of term where it's just like the girls went to the prom and they didn't get to take a girl to the prom. Uh, what's the line from The Rock? Losers whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Sean Connery, another terrible man. Um, yeah, like so. But yeah, but you're absolutely right. It's um, it's something that men do between two other men. It's part of toxic masculinity. It's the idea that some men are destined to win out over others, and some are born to be losers. And it is a constant game of infighting. It is a game of competition. It's seeing like passion, like love, it's, as yeah. this game, as this thing that you can win. Yeah. Instead of like something that you And it's also want. just like it seems like it seems like this idea that like women are antagonists, even in relationships with them. They're antagonists. They're someone that you always have to fight with and like convince to do things. Yeah. Like they wouldn't want to do things for you. Yeah, as if the assumption is the truth that everyone is... Um, like, have you ever had to ask me to do something, like, really nice for you? No, you've always been very nice to me. Yeah, I just... It's just... And you always <laughs> just, like, want... As if... <laughs> it's, it's so intense. I've noticed this a lot in, like, white media, especially, like, you know, the invention of lying, which, which is very British, by the way. Extremely. It, it reminds me a lot of this idea of, like... Uh, you know that that kind of drama it, it's on stage and screen where it's just like married couples just duking it out and then like men going off to the side and just being like blah 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 and she you know I have to do this or she won't like suck my dick or like <laughs> or or like you know did Neil Butte write that play? <laughs> No, I mean, this is like a whole like attitude. Like actually, Ugh. it reminds me of um uh there's a scene in Extract which is definitely Mike Judge's worst film even though <laughs> Idiocracy is really terrible. Uh Yeah. Where uh Jason Bateman is like, "Okay, I want to fuck my wife." But every single time <laughs> she comes home, his wife plays by Kristen Wiig. Every single uh -huh. time she comes home, she puts on the sweatpants. And when she ties the sweatpants, I know that we're not going to fuck. And so there's a scene where she comes home, she puts on the sweatpants, she ties them, and it like and it like zooms in on the little the little bow tie on the sweatpants, and it's just like, damn it! And the, uh, and, and because she put on sweatpants, it, it is then makes it okay for that character to go pursue Mila Kunis later. What? Because she puts on sweatpants. That's insane. 
That is the thought of an insane person. That is the thought of men. Like, that's like if I, like, <laughs> if you act like if I, <laughs> actually, I don't know if there's anything that I could come home and put on to where you'd be like, oh, <laughs> she is trying to, like, I'd have to put on, like, a full suit of armor. <laughs> you will be like, oh, <laughs> she does not want to be touched at all. I shouldn't even ask her politely like a normal person would. <laughs> um, okay. I, let's backtrack. Sweatpants. Sweatpants, which are, like, designed for comfort and, you know, for comfort for the wearer and flexibility and um, the release of stress. Sweatpants are pretty sexy. How dare she put on sweatpants? I mean, shouldn't you like you know want? Shouldn't you be glad that she's being comfortable? Anyway, this is this is a problem. (laughs) This is a problem with men. I knew I noticed it a lot with men in comedy, which actually doesn't make sense because across the board, men in comedy get the hottest and most understanding women of really any other kind of man. So it's actually really kind of irritating. (laughs) I don't know. Just er, all of these stories that you bring me from that horrid hellscape that you call the comedy world, it's just how how does this society function? How has it not collapsed in on itself? I don't know, but somehow we we have gotten to a point where we're watching a movie, The Invention of Lying, the movie that we're talking about on this episode, where where Jennifer Gardner is sitting at a table across from Ricky Gervais on this date. And she says, you know, I'm good looking because here I am. And she gestures to herself mm-hmm. and is the joke. And the joke is apparently that she's pretty. <laughs> Isn't it funny that she's pretty? Aren't pretty people terrible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and I was, I spent so much of the movie Why being did, like, does Jennifer Gardner know that she is the butt of the joke here? Because no one comes off looking worse than she does as a character. As the, as the, as the artisan of this comedy, Ricky Gervais comes out looking the worst. But as a character, Jennifer Gardner, probably Jennifer, actually Jennifer Gardner and Tina Fey, I think are the meanest people in this movie. And they're both women. And they're both women. Yeah. He called. Almost. Like, okay, so she. Hey, I, so hey he gets, honey, honey, why were why would Ricky Gervais think that women are always mean to him? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what is what is the common denominator in I, Ricky Gervais's world where I, all these women are mean to him? I don't. Mm, mm, mm. It's very hard to. So so this date doesn't go well. Um, he gets a kiss on the cheek. He goes to work. His assistant is Tina Fey. He finds out that he's getting fired because she tells him he gets fired by Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> he comes out of his office. He goes up to Tina Fey and Rob Lowe, com- Rob Lowe shows up and he's just like, I always hated you. And also your assistant Tina Fey hated you. And that is when Tina Fey says the meanest thing. In this, she get she has the meanest line in this movie, and I can't believe it. Um, mm. She uses the f word. She calls she she oh, calls Ricky yes. Gervais a fat f word. You know, as in the derogatory slur for for game, and she says it multiple times. Like she just says it like mockingly. Like she just. Well, you see, homophobia is also truth. Bigotry is also truth. Any you know. Just all the society, 
all society's, you know, biases and prejudices that have built up over centuries of injustice. That's just true, you know? That's just, you know, yeah. And dur- oh, yeah. And right before this, or maybe during this, he gets an email from Jennifer Gardner rejecting him that basically says, based on your looks and financial standing, I don't feel that I would like to be with you. I don't like to be with you. I don't want to go with you. Based on your looks and financial standing. And this, of course, is an email that everyone looks at because apparently everybody being able to tell the truth is also everybody looking at everyone else's shit and being terrible because that's also so truthful um <laughs> it's all true until gervais learns how to lie uh, all of it is true all they just, they, let's did, talk about the one funny gag in this movie oh, <laughs> oh right with the guy from westworld oh yes the guy yes the guy from westworld who i believe's name is um i always mix him up with this other guy jimmy simpson yes yeah jimmy, jimmy simpson really good character actor like i haven't seen I a like lot of him all, he's got a very interesting face yeah, uh, he played a recurring character on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's also oh. in um, that USS Callister episode of Black Mirror. Right. He's very and good. He's, oh God. Yeah. Just that episode, the way he says, freezes and cracks like a porcelain doll is just chilling. It's, yeah, I really <sighs> like that actor. If you he, haven't seen the episode, he's easily one of the best parts of it. Yeah, he gets just, one of the best. He gets one of the best scenes in this movie because it's because it's a commercial that Ricky Gervais isn't in, in which he, and it also has nothing to do with dating. Uh, yes, um, or romance, or like bigotry, or anything like so, that. So, so he's doing a Coke commercial, and because no one can lie, he doesn't come up with any like annoying. He's just a guy standing there with a can of Coke like it's the fucking sixties, and it's just like. You are going to buy it because we are very, very famous. <laughs> yeah, it's Coke. You know what it is? It's you know, a lot of sugar and water. You know what Coke is. You like to drink it, right? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you might as well buy it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I, later the other funny gag, which is the follow-up to the previous gag, is, is Pepsi. A- sometimes you can't... Sometimes they don't have Coke. Yeah, for, yeah Pepsi for when they don't have Coke. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and so... And so that's a commercial that he watches near when he hits rock bottom and he hits rock bottom when he realizes that he's late for his rent. And of course the person that's trying to collect his rent is one of the few people that aren't white in this movie. Um, huh? And hmm. funny that character is played by Ruben Santiago Hudson. Uh, so yeah, there you go. This is a pretty like well-known actor too. So he goes to the bank because he's like about to be evicted and he needs money and the system is down. So he uses that opportunity to tell the first lie, which is to say that he has $800 in his bank account. And at this point it makes you wonder how the fuck is he the first person to ever do this? Like logically, like how? Okay. So the scene it does this like super dramatic zoom into Ricky Gervais's forehead, like going through his skin and into his third eye. And there's the CGI uh, rendering of the interior of a brain and a spark, like an actual like electrical spark goes off. And in the setup, he says that human beings never evolved the ability to lie. And so I guess that was the implication just some new genetic trait developed as if, you know, being 
deceitful was something you had to, I don't know. It's it, a gene. I find it really interesting that this is the first guy to ever lie. This guy. I wonder what the film is trying to say. Uh, now, let's ask Ricky. What, what does Ricky think? Uh, oh, I, 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 yes, hi, I'm Ricky. Yes, I, I don't really open my mouth much, and so I always sound like I'm uh, ooh, grimacing, which I, I am because I every smile I do is forced because I have a dark void inside of me that I never chose to fill or question because, you know, it's, reality is, is shite. And I say shite because I'm, I'm British. Um, ever seen The Office? <laughs> People liked me then. Yes, yeah, yeah, I heard that. I heard about that. Um, so, way this movie came out in 2009, right? Yes. Uh, I was still in high school. Yes, I was, um, I was in college. Like, um, like senior, maybe senior year of college. I didn't see it in theaters then, but I saw ads for it. But this was definitely at a cultural moment where... Like, it was at the point of the rise of new atheists, like the God Delusion had come out um, a couple years before, and there was this whole new rationalist sort of mentality that came across white dudes across the world, led by, you know, openly atheist comedians like Ricky Gervais. And there was kind of this fetishization of science and rationalism you know, the kind that didn't actually question uh, society, social structures that uh, perpetuated injustices. Except for, of course, organized religion. Yep. And that is the reason this movie exists. Because the invention of lying also means the invention of God. Yep. And that's where this movie really goes off of the rails. Because No, this is the movie going on to the rails because it definitely wanted to go here. These yeah. are rails that Gervais had set. It, it, yeah, it seems like what he did was use a rom-com framework to tell this story, which is would be interesting if he had anything interesting to say about romance or religion. But in the sense, his framework is boring and where he goes... With the story is boring and offensive. <laughs> yeah. Offensive. <laughs> well, he, you see, I'm trying to be offensive. I mean, you're not actually uh, truthful if you're not offensive, right? So he, so he lies and he gets the money um, because no one, no one would even anticipate that he would lie. So that they just assumed that he was truthful, even when it showed that his bank account had less than eight hundred dollars. He still got eight hundred dollars. So he felt he feels very powerful. He goes to the bar to hang with his friend, Louis C.K. Uh, what's Louis doing? And he asks Louis, hey, what would you do if you had all of this right. unchecked power? Because you were the only what would one you in do, the Louis world C.K.? would lie. And Louis C.K. replies. Louis C.K., I think, speaking through his character here, said, <laughs> I would touch girls' boobs and maybe have sex with them, too. Mm-hmm. 2009, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 2009, oh, yeah. 
folks, germs, people of all genders. <laughs> Louis C.K. <laughs> Louis C.K. announced himself in 2009. He gave us all the clues. He gave us all the clues! <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Police. <laughs> uh, and so Ricky Gervais immediately tries to trick a woman into sex as if it's like that Grease 2 scene where the guy is like, oh, the war is coming and lures that girl into the bomb shelter. <laughs> <laughs> right, like he sees the prettiest woman on the street and says, the world's going to end if we don't have sex right now. And because, you know, it's, it's a comedy and it's hilarious, she goes, oh my God, do we have time to get to a hotel or should we just do it here? And it's like, it's funny and it's in the trailer. Uh, the trailer, thankfully, he does not go through with it because he realizes that's, like, a shitty fucking thing to do, and I'm pretty sure that qualifies as rape. Um, but, uh, okay. Um, again, the things that he assumes are true. Men want to touch boobs. Men, I mean, that's all they want to do. He, he. I mean, thankfully, he feels gross, but, you know, he do, He also doesn't examine why he feels gross and just goes on to do other gross shit. I um, mean, does any guy actually feel gross, or would they say they feel gross if they did? Oh, my God. Or Is that just a lie? Or would that be a lie? Oh. Or would that be... Yeah. So we have moved on now to suicidal Jonah Hill. Right. Who um, is somehow worse than Judy Greer's suicidal character in What Women Want. Because at least in What Women Want, we are reading her mind in, in The Invention of Lying. He's just walking around talking about different ways to kill himself openly. And no one questions him. No one questions No one cares for him. Nope. No one tries to stop him. Until... Liar King Ricky Gervais shows up and tells him that everything is going to be all right and that he should live, which begs the question, is it's this a, a lie? And I collapsed. This is when Kyle was done. Like, this and is this I, really upset Kyle. This is, I just ended up hugging the floor. I uh, First you were hugging the coffee table. Yeah, I... The coffee table was in my way, okay? okay. Yes. <laughs> I was to get going, to the floor. <laughs> but then I was just on the coffee table and I thought, "Oh my god, why bother?" And <laughs> Okay. Um I've talked about have I talked about my history with depression on this podcast? I know I talked about it on my own in my own work and online, but that's <laughs> the least helpful thing that you could ever say is that suicide ideation is, you know, something that is true, something that all people feel, something that... And the implication that a person deserves to live is the lie is not just unfunny, it's fucking evil. <sighs> I am. I was so mad, and this is even before the, and that was only even even like a third into the movie. This is like the end of Act One, and I was done with this movie. And yeah, it's it's really it's really bad. I feel really bad for Jonah Hill in this movie. Jonah Hill, who does nothing bad to anyone, 
Yeah, he he's honestly Jonah Hill in this movie and Jonah actually Jonah Hill in life like his biggest crime is just being annoying. <laughs> he's like perfectly fine, <laughs> and I want good things for him. And it made huh? me feel really bad that the for the the for lack of a better term the thickest man in this movie is the one that wants to kill himself. That was right. That was really upsetting. Also, fat phobia just as natural as breathing. Um, as I was saying before about the rise of new atheists and why that zoom into Ricky Gervais's brain got me so much, it's this this use of a cursory understanding of evolutionary biology to justify everything. Like we see it in modern like MRA communities. I mean, men are just naturally more shitty and terrible. Yeah, and. It's always based on reason. And <sighs> okay, does Ricky Gervais even know what the word epistemology means? I mean, do any of these people know anything? You know, Ricky Gervais <laughs> and a lot of these dudes remind me of when, when I when I finally did go to college. I, I didn't know what the God delusion was because I was a Christian in high school, like kind of, mm. like a part time Christian. And so I, I went to college and there was this guy named Ethan who one day while I was um, in the, um, the honors room where, where all the honors kids hung out, uh, he cornered me and a friend of mine who isn't a friend anymore and lectured us for about an hour on how on the God delusion and about how great it was and how God is a lie. Cause the friend that I was with was Christian and I, I feel yeah. like I kind of got like riled into it, but yeah, this, it was just this whole thing. And the most that I thought is that like the entire time is that like men talk too much and don't know anything. <laughs> uh, That's yeah. all I really got from it. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> thing about the new atheist movement, it was the two thousands and the God delusion was written uh, during uh, like a, a rise of religious fundamentalism in the United States and religious fundamentalism in the Islamic world. I mean, this is a post 9-11 world uh, where both sides were being uh, used a lot of religious, fundamentalist religious language to justify their arguments. And from this specific political moment, this idea of an atheism as the way out, as the way to peace, obviously that seems like the natural choice. Because it's religion that ruins the world. It is the belief in a god that ruins the world because... and nothing else. And it's... I'm not saying it's... Obviously, I'm not saying it's wrong to be atheist, but the new atheist movement as a political force came out of this very... this very unique uh, set of geopolitical time that even at the time, was too narrow-minded, too um, incomplete, too unwoke to actually address anything that actually could change society. Yep. But, you know, it's, it's fun to make fun of religion. You know, it's, oh, yeah. It's fun. It's not, it's totally not a religion in itself at all. 
and this is if this was a visual medium, this is where we would cut to that picture Ricky Gervais knowingly took of himself dressed like Christ on the cross. (laughs) (laughs) And like the word atheist is above his head or something like that. It's totally okay not to believe in God, but can you like not be so annoying about it? (laughs) That's all I ask. Um, Um, Oh yeah. Also this character, Ricky Gervais's character is so obsessed with the black (laughs) plague. What the fuck? Oh, right. Uh, Right. His day job. We haven't even talked about his day job. Oh yeah. He writes movies, but because everything's true, everything's just like a, a kind of like a National Geographic or like the Learning ch- the Learning Channel. Not even. Of. It's just a, a steady shot of a guy in a chair reading out historical facts. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like not even any B-roll or, you know, editing or any kind of aesthetic. It's just this is what happened. It's the news, except, you know, it's history. Um, and for some reason, he works on researching the 12th century. Yeah, he's just, like, so... He's so obsessed with it. But, you know, once he, like... <sighs> but actually, no, he keeps saying the 1300s, but I'm pretty sure I saw a 12th century... People said... Tw- I don't know. The 1300s is the 14th century. Right? I... I, I you're the... You're the history one. Uh, <laughs> um, so, he... <laughs> So he invents lying and his pitch to his pitch to Jennifer Gardner. How are there still even like a century system if Christ wasn't a thing? It's very, very interesting. Anyway, how does this movie work? How does this world work? It doesn't because he. okay, so he calls Jennifer Gardner and he's like, you should go out with me again. She's just like, oh, have you gotten more money? Have you gotten more attractive? Because once again, she is a terrible person. And he's but he not to be one upped by Jennifer Gardner basically says you should go out with me again because I'm more powerful. (laughs) Yes, that's because, you know, it's a lie. Instead of, he actually could have responded with something true, which was she was being shallow and judgmental and a really terrible fit for him and he should really find literally anyone else. Literally anyone else because she, whenever, whenever Because she that's gets, actually true! Whenever she gets an opportunity, she mentions, I, I like you, but our kids would be chubby. And like they like, keep repeating the same phrase. Like uh, a, it's a through line. Like snub-nosed fat children. Yes, yes. Fat, fat children with snub noses. Yes. Um, so that so that whole thing is going on. And then his mother is dying. So he goes to see her and she's on her deathbed. And of course, no one has the doctor is Jason Bateman, who has no bedside manner. So basically, it's like you're going to be dead. And oh, yeah, he says like the upside is it's fajita day at the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so great, great, great cameo. Very representative of, of Jason Bateman's energy. Yeah. Um, so when she's dying and she's scared, he lies to his mom about how she's going to go to like a great place where everyone that she ever loved is going to be there and she's going to get a mansion. And so the nurses overhear it and tell everyone. And so when he goes home, everyone's at his house and everyone asks him, oh, my God, how do you know of these things? And so he lies and says that there is a big man in the sky that controls everything and that gives everyone a mansion. And the more questions people ask, the more arbitrary dumb shit he adds. He's like, oh, yeah, the guy is a mix of all of our ethnicities and the guy gives you three strikes. If you do three really bad things, then you're going to go to the bad place. What counts as a bad thing? 
And then he has to like explain that. And it's just like this whole thing. Um, and, like, and did so the concept of ethics not exist? Is ethics also a lie? I guess. <sighs> and so it, it, it feels like this really, it feels like this part of the movie, which seems to be what everything was leading up to. This is the story that they really wanted to tell. This movie seems to be about how people believe anything and that Christianity is a really obvious lie that has no logical merit. And also like, it seems also that this movie is like a revenge on pretty people. It's cause it's yeah. like, what if I had the power to tell the pretties what to do? And I told the pretties when they were going to live or die, the pretties would definitely I'm respect pretty sure, me then. I'm pretty sure Ricky Gervais, like a lot of comedians before, after, and during his reign in this movie have always exerted their power over pretty people in all many, many terrible, awful, despicable ways. And but that's just, you know. And, and so he becomes this big famous guy and he still tries, he continues to try to get Jennifer Garner to be with him. And he continues to try to get her to understand that she's shallow without just telling her that she's shallow, which would really fix everything or yeah. at least a, like at least put the problem out front so they're in the park in one scene and he's just like look at all these people look at look at that couple like what do you see and he she's just like i just see some nerdy fat losers like yeah it's just everyone she sees oh that's an ugly old bald man oh they're just nerdy losers that's a fat loser that's a gay loser that's a ginger loser that's a tall loser that's a short loser it's it's almost like and mm. and then they have even in this scene even after she says all this stuff in the same scene Ricky Gervais says you're the most wonderful person I've ever met why how bad has this guy's life been like and by most wonderful I, I feel like he just means hottest like that yes. has to be what he means yes because he has to actively teach her how to be nice, and he's not even good at that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very strange. And then so she decides that she wants to be with Rob Lowe because their children will be genetically superior. They'll be tall, and they'll have a fast metabolism. And Eugenics Rob, is the truth. And Rob Lowe wants Eugenics to be... Eugenics is the truth. And Rob Lowe wants to be with her because he hates Ricky Gervais, and it seems like he arbitrarily hates Ricky Gervais because he's chubbier and shorter than him. Because there's no real other reason given. Um... Mm -hmm. So and he openly tells her this because, you know, he can't lie. So he's just like, yeah, I can't I can't um, have the power that he has, but I can get you. And she and, and he's like, and you can get the children that you want. And they're just like win win scenario. So they so they get I engaged hate this movie, even after Ricky Gervais, like basically tries to talk her out of having sex with him on their first date. <laughs> I hate this. movie. Like he tries to negotiate it. And it's so it's so depressing to watch him do it. <laughs> it is just happiness is a lie that we tell ourselves. And so it, it, it ends in like a very, you know, basic rom-com fashion, despite how subversive this film tries to be. Right, it's they, a wedding that he breaks. He breaks up a wedding just like any other fucking rom-com. He this, goes into a pretty look 
average-looking Protestant-style uh, church, which is labeled a place to think about the big man in the sky. A quiet place to think about the a man quiet in the sky. A quiet place, yeah. To think about the man in the sky. Which uh, they just, like, immediately <laughs> built, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, he just... It, it's so... For these two clearly brilliant countercultural men who created this movie couldn't even think of a, like, smarter ways to bookend the film without, like, starting with a first date and ending with breaking up a wedding. (laughs) Well, you see, that's the truth, isn't it? That's just Hollywood screenplay structure. It's true. Oh, yeah. But the the middle bits are are so subversive. No, they're not. We've heard... They're not. This People have been like, making fun of Christianity since Christianity was invented. This is just like a dude sitting and, in a bar who like thinks that okay. he's really smart. This is like the kind of guys that when I was still dating, I would go out with and I would say, oh, I'm in grad school for dramatic writing at NYU. And they would be like, oh, I write too. And then they tell me some generic shit and then they expect me to be really impressed by it. That's what the invention of lying is. You know, or. Institutions of organized religion across history have done terrible things and covered up terrible things. Yeah. I, we, that's just fact. We, <laughs> it happens in Protestant churches and Catholic churches throughout Islam. It, all of them. There are so many things you could say about religion, organized religion specifically, and the harm it can perpetuate in society. But he doesn't. Because none of these Because the true injustice, the one that he has to overcome, the one that he has to overturn his own biology and rewrite the laws of ontology and create God, is to write the injustice of him not getting laid. Fuck this movie. And by extension, Sausage Party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's it's the this would make a good double feature. Jonah Hill is also involved in sauces. Right. Um. So yeah, please watch something else that's not this. Um, if you want to watch, I was try I was trying to think of some kind of romance that incorporates religion, and the first thing that came to my mind was uh, Charlotte and Harry's arc in Sex in the City, where she converts to Judaism to be with him, which is actually (laughs) really interesting because when they brief, they they end up together in the end, but during the time that they're broken up, she decides to stick with Judaism and really like dig her heels into it and become part of the Jewish community. And she really commits. And, you know, she's actually, she's Presbyterian at the beginning of the show. And by the end, she is a Jewish, a proud Jewish woman. And she really like, believes in it aside from the fact that like the man that she loves is it so Mm -hmm. that's good and this has been the bad romance podcast you can follow us on all of the platforms you can listen to us on almost all of the platforms you can find kyle stuff on youtube at kyle calgren bhh you can follow Kyle on Twitter for more of these more of these maudlin takes. You can support the podcast in any way that you can. Sorry, I was gone for a little bit. I went to Toronto for 10 days for the Toronto International Film Festival and had a great time and could not record while I was there because uh, I didn't bring my equipment with me. 
And um, I was on another podcast called We Really Like Her, where I did a TIFF roundup. And that's really great. You should listen to that podcast because you can find out how I think about films. You can hear me talk about my vagina and um, other fun stuff. And we're going to be back on schedule. Thanks for your patience. We have like a pretty healthy backlog of 55 episodes. So I hope that you weren't really, uh, you know, missing us too badly. And we love you. And Bronwyn is on vacation right now. As soon as I got back, Bronwyn went on vacation with her boyfriend, AJ. So we just keep missing each other, but she's going to be back soon. And it's going to be great. So love you guys. You are worthy of love. Take care of yourself. Always. As, as Bronwyn would say, drink water. Hydration, very important. Realize that there is joy in the world. Give Kyle a hug if you ever see him. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I just need to like stare at a blank wall for, for a while. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. Uh, yeah. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Uh, yeah. Back it up, back it up. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's dump this truck. Baby,